Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. on learning and and some of the misconceptions that can we can have they can come from our, our uh, relationships with with earthly people with parents and those kind of things or with previous things to do with church and how um, maybe things have been presented to us we can end up with all kinds of wrong views about God and that can effectively stop us from talking to him or, or make us um, kind of mixed up about how we can talk to him so some of the the, the pictures that people have and sometimes ways that we can think about God is that some people think of God as, as being like he's a grumpy God that he's angry and he just loves throwing those thunderbolts down on people all of the time and um, you know you can never please him you're never, never going to be good enough to be able to please him. And, and if you do anything bad, then he's, he, like, he wants to hold it over you. He wants, to, he wants to pounce. He's waiting to pounce on you because he's kind of generally upset <laughs> with you and, um, and with everything else. So some people think of God as being like the cosmic cop God. That um, he's, he's like waiting with a speed trap around the corner. And if you get it wrong, pff, look out. You know, it's, it's, you're going to have points. And uh, you're going to be fine. There's going to be, um, you know, difficulty in your, you know, you can't have a relationship with, with that. I don't know because I used to be one. And um, some people think it's the, uh, is, they have the picture of God as like the Play-Doh cop, which is like I can mould, sorry, Play-Doh God, I can mould God into the, the picture that I want of God or that I think God is like. I can mould him into any form I want. If you could, it's a bit like Mr. Potato Head. You know, I can, uh, I can make God in, and like that in the image that I want him to be. Uh, I, you know, and you can tell this. Whenever anybody says, well, I like to think of God as. Whenever somebody says that, um, then you know that, that what they're doing is actually making a God in their own image. And the problem with a God that you make in your own image is that when you pray, you're only really praying to yourself. Um, so I'm sorry, it doesn't really matter what you like to think when it comes to God. What matters is what God is really like. And you're just guessing the same as anybody else. So it's extremely important in a year of prayer that we know who we're praying to. And um, that is gonna affect how we pray. And so in this series, if you've got misconceptions, if we have misconceptions about God, we're gonna ask that he would help us to unlearn those things so that we can learn more about prayer. Because until that happens, until that changes, prayer will always be a, feel like a duty, it won't feel like a joy. It's gonna feel like it's something boring rather than the most exciting thing that you get to do. Some, it's something I have to do rather than something that I get to do or something that I feel like I should do um, from some religious um, duty rather than a relationship, which is what God's all about. So what's God really like? Well, if you look through the Bible, theologians have brought about different categories to describe God. None of these are actually in the Bible as such and say that God is like that. But as you, as you look at the stories and you look at the things that he says about himself, you can see various things that, that God talks about. It says that he, the Bible says he's, he's all-knowing, omniscient. He's, um, he's all-powerful, um, omnipotent. He's omnipresent, which means that God can be everywhere all at once, all the time. Uh, so we, so as, we're, as I'm talking about him now, he's, he's here. It's not like we're talking about God in, in some abstract form. He's actually here, present with us. And so uh, he's, he can listen 
um, as, as, we, as I'm speaking, and he can know what's going on in our thoughts and in our hearts, and, and, uh, and, and in the same way that he wants to speak to us, he wants us to speak to him. The Bible would describe a God who is holy and just and, uh, and kind and loving. And some of the things that Lisa was just praying out before and singing out, that he's faithful. And there's so many things that we could look at. But today, again, she was singing it. Um, he is good. He is good. He is good. We want to focus on the goodness of God because that's so important with regard to prayer that we recognize our God is good because the goodness of God is the fundamental basis for all true prayer. If God is not a good God, you have no reason to pray. If God is not a good God, you'll, you'll end up with zero motivation to pray because the truth is if we if we don't unlearn these wrong pictures, if we don't, you'll discover that the only reason actually that there's any good in the world is because God is good. Because there's a good God in the universe, there's some good still in the world. If there's no God, there would be no good. There would be no right or wrong, no good, no bad. And, and I know some people have asked, and I used to ask it. Um, it used to be my get out when I was talking to Christians uh, because of bad things that I'd seen in the world. I would kind of press them on that and say, yeah, but you know, why is there all this evil in the world then if there's a God? And the actual answer, I believe, is, I don't want to be simplistic, but the answer is quite, quite simple. It's actually because God, a lot, I mean, a lot of the evil in the world can be explained by this fact that God doesn't force anybody to do good. He doesn't force that on anybody. Humanity chooses to not do good. You, and I'm including me and I'm including you in humanity. And, and, and that is what causes so much of the evil in the world. Evil is actually quite easy to explain. What's difficult to explain, what's hard to explain is, why is there any good in the world? See, if you just believe in, in random chance and survival of the fittest and then it's dog-eat-dog dog kind of world and, and if you're not the top dog, then, t you know, tough. The only reason there's a, any good in the world is that, there, is that God is good. And, and God is always good. And that's the, the ground, as I say, the fundamental basis of how I think when I, I pray. And, and that gives me four things about prayer. And when I, when I know how God, when I, the more I understand how good God really is, that's when I start to see prayer as being not a, a, a duty but a delight. Not as, a, as a, something I have to do but something I get to do. Four implications and you can make a note of this. See some people are already making notes about the goodness of God. That, that, and it's good to make notes because you know, when you're going to come and pray in the week, if you just read through them, it, it'll help you to, to focus on the kind of God that we're, we're talking about. And this will change the way you pray from now on. So you ready for this? Number one, because God is always good, God's plans for my life will always be good. That's the, the follow-on from that. Once I get that, the next thing follows on. People ask, is there anything that God can't do? Well, yes, there are a lot of things that God can't do. The Bible says he cannot deny himself. It says he can't be unloving. The reason for that is, one of the shortest verses in the Bible, it says God is love. So God can't not be loving. He can't be evil. God is good. The Bible says he's never the author of evil. By nature, he can't do evil. Everything God does is good. And so, because God is good, God's plans for my life will always be good. For many people, a, fam a favourite verse of Scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, is, is one of my favourite verses of Scripture. I've got it inscribed on my wedding ring. I know the plans that I have for you. 
says the Lord, I have plans for you, not plans to hurt you. My plans will give you hope and a good future. And when you call to me and pray, I will listen to you. You see the connection there between God's purposes, God's plans and prayer. See how connected it is. God says there's a purpose for your life. God has got a plan for your life. Why? Because he loves you and he wants to bring good into your life. How do I know the plan? Well, through the Bible, God reveals his plan to us in Scripture. And, and through prayer, the more we pray, the more we get to understand those plans. He says, when you call to me and pray to me. That tells me God has got plans and blessings for my life. And they are awesome, but not automatic. He's not going to enforce that. He's not going to impose that. He says, when you call, when you pray. How many things have I missed out on? How many times have I not known the plan because I didn't pray? I just decided I'll make my own plan instead. See, when something bad happens, insurance people, what do they call it? They call it an act of God, interestingly, don't they? But actually, this says that God is a good God and his acts are good. He has good plans for your life. Other people might have bad plans for your life. You might have made some bad plans in your life. But you need to understand this about God. God only has got good plans for your life. And you, you, somebody's listening to that thinking, yeah, well, not everything in my life is good, though. Well, God didn't promise it would be. He didn't say that everything that happens in your life will be good. But he still says, I have good plans for you. Whatever's been going on right now, his plans for you for the future are good. And the truth is we live on a broken planet. We're broken people. Everything is broken. Nothing is perfect. Your body is not perfect. Have you noticed that? It doesn't always work the way that you want it to work. Your mind doesn't always work the right way. The weather's broken. The economy's broken. Relationships are broken. Nothing is perfect. And yet, and God didn't say, I'm going to promise you perfection here on the earth. One day, heaven's going to come to earth. One day, there will be no sorrow, no sadness, no sickness, no suffering. But here and now, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He was clear about that. But God says, even in the middle of all the pain, I still have a plan. And the plan is good. And, and even when you make bad choices, even when you make foolish decisions, even when you have a bad attitude, all those things, God is always working and still can work. Somehow, he wants to work good plans, even out of our messes. You see, this is how you may think, how can he do that? Our God is so amazing, he can even turn crucifixions into resurrection. Romans 8.28 is another famous, famous verse. We don't, we don't always know what's going on, but it says, but we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So if you today, if you were to say, we've got these forms here, follow Jesus, yes, no, Alpha. If at the end you kind of pray and say, God, I don't understand it all, but I want to give my life to you and I want to follow your plan for your life. And you tick that box and you fill in those details and we'll send you some stuff to encourage you. And maybe you do the Alpha course to help you to understand it because you're a learner and you put your L plate on the same as us. From the day that somebody says, yeah, and they, pro they plug in to his purpose, see this is, again, it's not automatic, but God starts to work more and more in your life in increasing ways so that your life lines up with his purposes. And see, it doesn't say all things are good. It doesn't say that. But it says God can work it together, even the bad, even the bitter, he can make it better. See, when you make a cake, you look at the individual ingredients, or you taste those individual ingredients, and they're not, they're not good. 
themselves, are they? No, it's like, ooh, vanilla essence. <laughs> or, uh, you know, vanilla essence isn't by itself any good. Or, or baking powder. Or um, oil, cooking oil. Doesn't taste good, but you work it together and over time, through a process, something good comes out from it. The ingredients by themselves, as I say, aren't good. But, but See, remember the story, I was just reading this this morning, as I've been going through the Bible, I'm trying to do this Bible in a year again, I was reading the story of Joseph in the Bible. Remember, technical dream coat Joseph. And uh, the story in there is incredible about how his own brothers betray him and he ends up going down into Egypt and he's a slave and he's in prison and he has all these years, it seems to be wasted years. And, you know, it goes from bad to worse throughout his life, but he's had this dream years before and then one day, actually, the dream does come true and he ends up confronting his brothers at the end of the story in Genesis chapter 50 and he says this, your plan was to hurt me. But God turned your evil plan into a good plan to save the lives of many people. It's like, you know, this was something was going on, a bigger story than even the individuals involved. God's always got a bigger story involved than just you and me, even though we like to focus in on our own bit of it. And what he's talking about there, you could call that redemptive suffering. The idea that sometimes we suffer and the benefit that is received isn't, necessarily for us but it's for somebody else somebody else benefits that's exactly what Jesus's death is it's the ultimate in redemptive suffering when Jesus died on the cross he wasn't paying the price for his sins because he never committed a single one but he was paying the price for our sins he's paying for yours and mine so God says about maybe something that hurts you or that's going on right now from the past or right now and God says it wasn't good it isn't good we're not trying to say to anybody, that's just good. And, but, what, but God says, give it to me, give yourself to me, and I can still use it. I can use, use this, and I can bring out good from that if you give it to me. How? I don't know how, but I do know who. I know who can do that. He's a good God. He's always good. And he actually loves, he gets great glory from bringing good out of bad. Anybody can bring good out of good. Only God can bring good out of bad. In fact, again, the, the ultimate bad, what was the ultimate bad that happened in history was when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, showed his love, did miracles, and people took him and nailed him to a cross. It doesn't get much worse than that. And yet from the ultimate negative, the ultimate bad, God has brought the ultimate positive, which is the, the redemption of the whole universe through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. So I want you to write down this sentence. Make a note somewhere, this will help you. It might help you to decide what you're giving to First Roots this week or whether you're giving to First Roots because who you think you're giving to really matters. It will make a difference in why you give and how you give and what you give. Are you ready? This is it. Everything God does in my life, he does for my good. I'll say it again. Everything God does in my life, he does for my good. Again, I'm not saying everything is good in your life right now. But everything that God does, he's doing for your good. Everything God ever did, anything God will ever do in your life, he'll only ever do good. Because he is a good God. God has got good plans for you in 2018. Because he's a good God. So that was number one. The second pillar of God's goodness is this. Because God is always good, the, the follow-on, the logic from that is number two, is God always gives me what I need 
not what I deserve. The Bible says, if he marked our transgressions, none would stand. In other words, none of us is good enough just to be able to stand before God and say, I think you should accept me on the basis of my own righteousness and my own goodness. If we got what we deserve, none of us would even be here. But Psalm 103, verses 10 and 12 says, He, God, has not treated us as we deserve or paid us back for our wrongs. He's not that cosmic cop. He's not the judge who's just waiting to judge us. Why? Because Jesus Christ already paid for it. And if you put your trust in Jesus Christ and you ask him to save and forgive you, you find all your sins have already been paid for on the cross. So if, if, you know, imagine you owed me money and then somebody else came along and paid that debt. You don't have to worry about it anymore. It's already been dealt with. And this goes, this is, this is, it goes on to say that this is what happened on the cross, that Jesus takes away our sins and he removes them as far as the east is from the west. I'm, I'm glad it says that because you're going from east to west, there's no end to that, is there? If it was North Pole and South Pole, well, you can go to those places. But the earth, the east and the west, as far as that, you just keep going, keep going. You're never going to meet. And it's like, if you come to God and you, even if it's something haunting you, something that was kind of hanging over you, if you confess it to God and ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ, then you know he has completely forgiven you forever. So you can forgive yourself. God is good because he gives me what I need, not what I deserve. I'm going to talk tonight about how he gives us what we need. A great example is uh, King David. If you remember the story, if you know the story, he commits adultery. He tells lies to cover it up. Then he has the woman's husband murdered. Who thinks those are pretty big sins? Adultery, lying, murder. I'm watching, I was watching closer then for who put their hands up. I suggest you do the same. <laughs> if people didn't put their hands up, watch them. <laughs> did God deserve to be forgiven? Sorry, did David deserve to be forgiven? No, he didn't deserve God's forgiveness. Did he need it? Did David deserve mercy? No. Did he need mercy? Yes. The, uh, the, good, news, the good news about David's life is that he knew God. He had a history with God and he knew above all else, even when he'd done bad, he knew God was good. So he asked for mercy. There's a point later on, he says to some guys, he says, you know, I'd rather fall into the hands of God than into the hands of men. And, and when he prays, he famously prays a big prayer, a, a contrite prayer. The word is really a, a deep prayer where he says, God in your goodness have mercy upon me. Not because I deserve it, but because you're a good God. Have mercy on me. Wash away my guilt and make me clean again. From my sin, cleanse me. Notice all of that is based on who God is, not on who David is. It's not on who you are. Because God forgives you on the basis of his goodness. It's, it's, on the, it's because he is good. So that when I blow it, he forgives me because he's a good God. And if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't amazing enough, not only does God forgive your sins when you come and ask God, please forgive my sins. Not only does he do that, he welcomes you. He receives you. You know, sometimes somebody can say, I forgive you, but like, I don't want a relationship anymore. Like, we're done now. So this is huge for me. He doesn't reject us. When you sin, he receives us. 
which is so often, as I say, the exact opposite of what people might do. When you hurt somebody, when you sin against somebody, do they go, oh, come on back? No, absolutely not. They, they want to be distant, but God says, I still want you close. That's how good he is. God is always good. He will never, 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 never turn us away. If we humbly come back to him, even today, he will receive you and not reject you. No matter how bad we feel like we've messed up or screwed up, God will always give us another chance. Why? Because he's good. He's always good. So this is the reason why we can be confident when we pray. We don't have to come in like when we pray with our tail between our legs and something kind of slinking into his presence, hoping we don't get noticed. They maybe leave a bit of request lying around the throne room somewhere. It's not like, oh, I wonder if I can really pray now because three weeks ago I did that bad thing and I wonder if God's got over it yet. Can you sometimes feel like that? You know, you sort of, oh, I need to at least give it three days of feeling miserable about that thing that I did before I can pray. No, we don't have to do that because God is always good and he gives what I need, not what I deserve. Third factor for God's goodness, because God is always good. This almost sounds like heresy, but... It's right out of scripture, I believe. Number three, God puts my good above his own good. It doesn't, it doesn't say he's putting his, my glory above his glory. I'm not going to go there. But he does, he prefers my good. Now, if you're a parent, if you're a good parent, you're going to know what that feels like. Because there'll be times when something could be good for you, but you'll go, actually, I love my kids, and so I'm going to do something good for them instead of me. Multiply that by a billion. He's a good, good father. This is the heart of the gospel, the good news, that the king sacrifices himself for the peasants. The reason I know the Bible is true and not some fairy tale is because in the fairy tales, everybody dies for the king. It's like protect the king at all costs. But, but all the peasants, all the servants, all the soldiers, everybody's dying to protect the king. There's only one story in the world where the king dies for the people and it's called the gospel. This is what makes... Our faith different from every other storyline, every other philosophy. God says you've, you've sinned. You deserve punishment. You deserve hell. But I'm a good God. And I want you to be with me forever in heaven. And so I'm, I'm so holy and I'm good and I'm just. So I'm going to, some, somebody's going to pay for your sins. And it won't be you. I will do it. I will pay for your sins. I, the son of God, Jesus Christ, will die for your sins. I'm not dying for mine, but I'm die, I died for yours. This is the gospel. The king suffers so that the people can be free. Jesus says in John 10, I am the good, there's that word, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me and I will sacrifice my life for the sheep. Really? That's unbelievable. If, if, you know, if any of you had a flock of sheep, would you die for a sheep? Even if you're like a vegan type and you love animals and whatever. <laughs> You know, absolutely not. There's no shepherd in history going to lay down their life for the, except the creator of the universe loves us so much and he's, he's such a good God that he dies for you. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So today as we take those envelopes and, we, and some people will, will come next week and bring them back and they'll give their first fruits. We give our first and our best and, and as I said, it could even feel like a sacrifice. It might hurt a bit. But whatever we give, it's only a fraction of what God's already given us that we give back to him. And it pales into insignificance next to how good God is and how much he gives to us. Because nobody ever gave or could give more than Jesus already gave. 
Somebody might have paid a debt for you. I've had that in the past. One of the first things that happened to me when I became a Christian, me and Zoe messed up something financially. Um, and I was kind of new to it all, but there was this um, lady in the prayer group, and Zoe just waited back at the end and prayed with this one lady because she knew she was a lady who couldn't help, but she could pray. She was like a teacher who had no money, and she already knew that. So Zoe said, can you just pray about this? We've made a mess financially, and we owe some money, and we don't know what we're going to do, but could you pray about it? And then a couple of days later, um, her husband came to the door, knocked on the door, and said, uh, how much is your debt? And I was like, none of your business. Because <laughs> I'm like new to all of this, and I don't know what, he's, it's like, what you do. And then he said, um, he said I need to know, because I've, I've got my checkbook here, and I want to write it off. And I was like, really? And he said, yeah. He said, years ago, I worked, you know, a factory worker, they'd given him some shares years before when it was taken over by another company. And he said, I've sold the shares because I want to pay off your debt. And I, you, know, I was, you know, at that point I was like, this is true. This gospel stuff is true. To change people's lives, to be that giving like that. Is a, generosity is a proof of a changed life, isn't it? You know, to, to, to somebody to hear about somebody else's need and go, I will, I will pay the price for that. I will do that, proves the gospel. In the same way, you know, again, times a billion, Jesus comes and pays off all of our, our debt and he, 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 he imputes his righteousness, he, what that means is he gives us what we need and he gives us what we can't deserve and he puts his goodness inside of you. There's like a blood transfusion, divine blood transfusion that comes on the inside of us and changes us. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God took the sinless Christ, he'd never done anything wrong, and poured into him all of our sins. That means Jesus takes the guilt for every murder, every gossip, every lie, every abuse, every evil, every secret, every scandal, everything that was ever done wrong in the whole of history. God took the sinless Christ, made him who had no sin, it says, made him to become sin for us, for us, for me. That's, that's like this divine exchange that takes place. That means that when God looks at you after you've said yes to Jesus, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees Jesus' goodness. It's the best deal that was ever offered and it cost everything, but it's free to the receiver. That's why we do what we do. That's why we want to start new churches, new ministries, because everybody needs to know this most amazing good news that is for everybody, that this blood transfusion is available that saves you from the, the, the worst possible disease of sin and death. So that when, as I say, you stand before God and you finally stand before him and you say, well, God, you know, but I've committed these sins and I did this and I've done that. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's all been washed away. It's all paid for. All he sees is the goodness of Jesus Christ in you. That's amazing to me. And you might think, well, what's that got to do with prayer? The answer is everything. It's got everything to do with prayer because what Jesus did for you on the cross is what makes prayer possible. Look at this last verse and then we'll pray. Romans 8 verse 32 says, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave Christ up for us all, he sent his son to die on Calvary for my sins and yours. Will he not now also give us everything else we need? You see the logic of that verse. What was your biggest problem? Sin and death. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, God solved your biggest problem forever, there and then. Now, any other problem that you have in your life, it's like small potatoes compared to that. 
God loved you that much. God showed his love so much. Don't you think that he loves you enough to be able to help you with all the rest of the things too? With your bills, with your health, with your relationships, with your decisions. There's nothing you can't bring to God in prayer because he's good and he loved you and he already sent his son to, to deal with your biggest problem and he loves you enough to answer. So as you finally think, and I'll say with regard to this, when you give, remember the goodness of God. Remember what he already gave you. And, um, and if, you, if you stand, actually, as we pray, if you're able to stand, we're going to make this week's memory verse, because we're doing these memory verses. And by the way, we're, we're looking at this too in grow groups in the week, and you can still sign up for a grow group and join in one. We just had some people join the group I'm in last week. It was great. Uh, Lamentations 5 verse 21 in the message says, um, says this, Bring us back to you, God. Can you say this with me? Bring us back to you, God. We're ready to come back. Give us a fresh start. Lamentations 5.21. I'll say it again. Lamentations 5.21. Yes. Bring us back to you, God. We're ready to come back. Give us a fresh start. Lamentations 5.21. One more time. It's good to put the... If you're going to remember the scripture verse, remember its address by remembering its address at the beginning and at the end. It'll help you to get there. Yeah? Lamentations 5.21. Bring us back to you, God. We're ready to come back. Give us a fresh start. Lamentations 5.21. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are a good, good father. Please help me remember that your plan for my life is always good because of your goodness. So I choose your plan right now. Thank you that you're ready to bring me back to you. So I come back to you. Help me remember in your goodness how generous you are. You give me what I need, not what I deserve. Thank you that you not only forgive me, but you pour your goodness into me and change me. Thank you that you've put my good above your own good through the cross. Thank you that even though I've been a lost sheep, you died for me. You're a good shepherd. And thank you, Father, that I can know that because you didn't even spare your own son, but gave him for me, I can trust you with everything else that's going on in my life. Everything else that I need now and always. And if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, but you're praying now and doing that, just not so I'll know so much as that you'll know that you're just kind of stretching out a hand to heaven and saying, I want to know your love. Could you put up a hand so I can see you and then I can pray with you. I can pray for you too. Just as you're opening up your life to Jesus and saying, yeah, I want to follow him. I want to find out what that means. Putting the L plate on. Always want to give this opportunity for people to do that. Anybody? It's a free gift just to say, I want it. All he wants, see, what he wants from you, it's not about your money, it's not about, it's your life. And the most important thing that we ever give is ourselves first to him. So even if you didn't put up a hand, let's, let's just pray, Jesus Christ, I accept your gift of forgiveness and new life. Turn away from everything that I know to be wrong and I receive 
that relationship with you and I put my trust in you and you alone. Amen. Offer, if you want to find out more about what that means, um, fill in one of the forms and give it to one of the welcome team. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.